Hey everybody, this is Pete Worrell from Bigelow, and I'm happy to bring you another episode of the Positive Enterprise Value Podcast. Today, my interview guest is Flora Boley. Flora is a world-known artist, uh, entrepreneur, teacher, retreat center owner, who makes her principal headquarters on the West Coast. She's an example of an entrepreneur as a creative, and you know if you've listened to private, Positive Enterprise Value or read our blog posts, that at Bigelow we believe that entrepreneurs are creatives, and Flora is just a great example of that. Today, she candidly and generously shares with us her evolution of her professional and personal goals over her lifetime, a little bit about some of the chapters she's been through, sort of the overarching journey, what was in her head growing up, um, how she extracts the juice of the creative process, which will become her original artwork, how over time in her life, and this applies to all of us entrepreneurs, she really started out first as a practitioner, as an artist, uh, with you know brush on, on canvas, if you will, which she still does, but she's evolved her role to also be a teacher uh, and also now a retreat center owner. So she tells us a little bit about keeping herself alive as a young entrepreneur and in groceries by earning a living while pursuing her art, and how she's really taken her approach to a whole different medium, including as an author, chatting a little bit about her new book called The Art of Aliveness, A Creative Return to What Matters Most. The parallels of how we create art is actually in aligned with how we live. Flora will say, how we paint is how we live. So she shares with us advice on one of my questions about giving her 50-year-old self, she's almost 50, advice from her 60-year-old self, which involves filling up the well. It's all about recovery for high-performing creatives, right? And a little bit about her new retreat called Nest. She tells us a little bit about some of her online courses, her free flow community uh, on Mighty Networks, and some of what she's got in store for the future. I think Flora is a uh, just a massively talented, charismatic artist who has a lot to say and a lot to teach us about being a sexful creative as an entrepreneur. You can find more about Flora at florabowley.com. Without further delay, here's my interview with Flora Bowley. So... Um, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about uh, when we were together the other night was uh, you have a lot of life experience. And it struck me that you have had, it sounded to me like, a number of interesting chapters. What chapter is this? Mm. Well, a major feature of this chapter is this uh, retreat center that I just co-purchased with some friends so it's the moving out of the city chapter getting closer to the land creating a space um, for people to come do retreats which I've been leading for a long time so I've been for many years I've been in the retreat leading chapter but now it's hosting having residential retreats Um, that's one aspect of this chapter I would say I think I'm also in a place in life where I'm in the how can I work less hard 
chapter, which probably doesn't go with buying a retreat center. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I've been in that season of life where I've been building and I've been creating a lot and working hard, you know, and, and loving it. But also I'm finding myself in a place where I'm like, oh, I, I, I'm, I just returned um, recently to a place I lived in my 20s in Colorado when I was you know, mountain biking and snowboarding and like working at a bakery and living this life that was all around play and enjoyment. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like where did that person go, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so I'm really wanting to welcome her back onto the scene and to find more of that, more just doing things for myself that I love and, um, and having l my work feel less in the forefront you know, still there because it's really integrated into my life in a way that I really love. But just, you know, a little like receding of the work life uh, is, I feel like, the chapter I'm in. And, and uh, I think of you as an artist. <laughs> and yet it seems very you very deliberately also have taken on the role of artist teacher. Yes. Is that true? Yes, that that happened about thirteen years ago. Oh wow! Um, I was making my living as an artist, a painter, and not the easiest way to make a living, I will say. And um, I—it's a long story, but basically, I was invited to come teach my process that I had kind of just created by being an artist to a group of people at a retreat, and. It was so interesting because at the time I had felt like I wanted something more, but I didn't know what it was. I just knew that being in my studio all day by myself, making paintings was something I loved, but it felt like there's something else here, that I'm supposed to be doing something else. I had a very strong feeling about that. And so I showed up and I shared my process and I watched a room full of 20 people paint and not only paint but like remember that they are these creative beings and that through a little bit of you know guidance and permission they were just amazed by what they did because I work in this very forgiving process it's all about layers it's not a very traditional fine art process it's like any anyone can do it really um and so I got so much from that experience I realized this is it this is the thing that's been missing I want to share I want to I want to invite other people in and actually get to be a guide in that way and like that's that feels to me more meaningful even than just making the artwork myself. And, and did you have a guide? I mean, I went to art school, um, so I have a kind of a traditional education. But I will say that how I paint was not what I was taught, and I definitely didn't learn that from one person. I have been inspired by many artists, but the way I, I feel very self-taught in a, in a way because it was through the process of just showing up and painting a lot for years that I found the way that works for me. So here you are, you've come to the East Coast to, to make some beautiful creations. And it struck me as a lay person when I looked at you, you had a methodology in your head that you were going to approach this challenge in a certain way. Do I have that right? 
Yes, although this is a what I'm doing here is like really different than anything I've ever done. It's much oh. bigger. Okay. <laughs> There's more walls. <laughs> but but would you would you approach the challenge using the same um, intellectual or philosophical methodology? Yes. Yes. And so is that the way you approach all creation? Um pretty much. Yeah, I'd say the the main tenets are that I don't have a plan. <laughs> which is kind of scary when you're painting a huge wall. <laughs> um, so I, I realized over the years that for me trying to execute uh, something in my head, like a preconceived idea, was just not that fun for me and also often disappointing. And so for me, the, like the juice of the creative process, like where the aliveness is, is in the mystery of not knowing, actually, but stepping in, you know, in this just open way where you trust you have to trust that eventually it will work out and so that's sort of at the core of how I work is is that it's a presence practice that it's 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 um it's very in the moment and that one brush stroke one color one image leads to the next and so I actually can't know where it's going to end up because I haven't done all those steps to get there and it could change turn in so many different directions along the way and so for this project I have had some thoughts of you know I'd like to put a image right here probably so there's been a little more preconceived thought in this project based on what it is than on just a regular canvas for me um, but generally it's been I've been doing it in the way that I normally do which is very moment to moment and there's been I mean that's when all the little cool surprises happen where you're like wow I never could have planned that I never knew that drip was going to be you know interacting with those colors in that way and and the materials I use themselves like I use a spray bottle a lot and I use these big bulky foam brushes and so there's sort of a letting go process inherent in just even the materials that I use um, which I love that's why I use them because it's they, they open up all of these things that I can't plan so uh, in a way it sounds like that if you wanted to you could face any canvas any challenge any size mural or wall and approach it in the same philosophical way yes yeah yes and, and is that what you teach yeah, yeah it is and and over the years my teach you know I <laughs> I can't help but notice how many, parallels there are between how I create art and and living and life and so over the years it's actually become even more interesting to me how like this is just a big practice in how to live and so the last book I wrote is called The Art of Aliveness and that's there's actually no photos in it it's not even you know you can't find a painting in the book which my other books have lots of photos and it's all about the art practice this book was just about like, this is what I've learned about living through painting for 30 years. And so to me, that's just, you know, people come, I think, often because they feel like, oh, I want to, painting sounds fun. I'm going to yeah. smush colors around. And yeah. like, that's something that I've always wanted to do. But then what they get is this whole, you know, kind of different perspective on life. And what I love about the creative process is that it is so tangible and we are doing something with our hands and our bodies and we are creating a thing and so it's very um yeah it's like we really get the lessons in a way that if you were just reading about it or hearing about it it's not it doesn't land 
you know it's like through the process of not not having a plan having to be present having to change directions having to trust listening to your intuition you know pivoting if you will <laughs> you know you go through this whole process and then you do make something at the end and people generally are like wow I love that and I'm like well you only got there because you trusted and you let go over and over and over and then it's like it doesn't you don't even have to say just like in life because they start to make those connections on their own you know it's so it becomes so obvious that how we paint is how we live <laughs> so so um, when you get that blocky uh, foam brush and the drip and the spray bottle in life uh, are you ready to let it go and let the next thing happen well I think personally I've I mean, I, I have challenges with that just like anybody, but I have been practicing <laughs> in a very <laughs> tangible way for a very long time the art of letting go because not only are my materials that way, but the process itself is about layering. And so when we're layering with paint, you're always letting something go because right. when you add paint, something goes underneath it, goes away. And so I have... It's like flexing muscles, right? I've been flexing the muscles of you have to let things go to make space for the next thing. You have to, you know, be present to what is to respond to what the thing needs next. Like these lessons are so deeply in me at this point because I've spent probably 10,000 hours at least um, doing them on the canvas sure. that I do think I'm more adept at letting go and flowing and being open to, you know, I, I don't think of myself as super rigid, you know, in, in that way. But I will say a lot of people that come and work with me are like self-proclaimed control freaks sure. or perfectionists. Sure. And they're like, we're here because <laughs> you have what we need, you know. And and I love working with, with those folks because uh, the process itself does so much of the work. Can you see yourself taking that approach to a different medium? I definitely could. Um, I... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, I, writing is a good example. Yeah. Something that I actually do do right. is write. It's the same thing. It's like I, you know, with the painting, I just sort of put a bunch of colors up, put a bunch of marks, and then I edit, if you will, sort of, and let things go and choose. And it's the same with writing, and it would be the same with really a lot of mediums. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's all the same philosophy. I always think artists are, we choose our mediums, but we kind of could probably do a lot of different arts. Well, and sculpture would be interesting, right? Because you're taking away, taking away. Yeah, unless it was, if you were using like clay, for example. Oh, yes. right. <laughs> that would be more friendly to me yes. personally, right. something where right. I could add back. Um, so some mediums are, are more helpful. I mean, like even watercolor, for example, is a lot more challenging for me to work with because layering with watercolor just gets muddy really fast and kind of... Right. So that's why I choose acrylic paint which because it dries you can add you can change and it has this really like malleable sort of quality to it so you said you've been doing this for 30 years yeah crazy. and um, <laughs> you know, Anders Ericsson would say 10,000 hours right that's yeah. of deliberate practice that's super deep mm -hmm. um, is this what you thought you were going to do when you were a little kid Oh, that's a great question. I did not grow up thinking that I could be an like a capital A artist. You know, that was never in my... What was in your head? 
Um, I thought I would do something creative. I thought I would, well, I mean, there was a time I wanted to be a judge. So there was that, <laughs> there was that <laughs> phase because I think I'm very into justice. But, um, but no, I thought for a long time I would either be uh, an interior designer, a graphic designer, um, an art teacher, which is what I ended up being in a lot of ways. So and you're so, actually all of those things in a way. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, it's actually true. Something that, in, yeah, I just never thought like being a studio artist, making paintings, was really feasible. Um, but then you know how it happened was I was in college, my second year in college taking painting classes, realizing how much I love that medium. I had a little show at my co- at a coffee shop because I'm just kind of a entrepreneur like that. <laughs> I'm like, might as well see if someone wants to pay me money for these. And they did. And I sold some paintings. And, and what, what, sort of, um, what sort of positive feedback did you get from that? Did you like it that people appreciated it? Did you like it that you're able to earn a living? Did you like it from a reputation or achievement point of view? I mean, to I think for me, I'm, I'm, I'm like a pretty practical person. And just to think I could pay my bills by doing something I love was really cool for me. I mean, because what I was serving coffees at the time for probably $7 an hour or something. Sure, sure. And so the fact that I could do this thing that I wanted to do anyway and, yeah, and make money was, was, was wonderful for me. I, I've never been that interested in the reputation part. Um, I mean, it's nice when people like your work, but I've, I've never been too hung up on that either because mm-hmm. my work, some people love it and some people don't. And I don't know. We, you know, it's, it is what it is. Sure. I, I like it. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm confident with that. Um, but yeah, being able to make a living and have it be so integrated into my life in this way and not have to work some job that I don't care about has always been something from that really early I mean I was probably 19 20 at that point it was like a light bulb went off and I just thought well yeah I'm gonna keep trying to do this did you study painting in college I did yeah where did you go to school yeah well I went to three colleges in Colorado I was very into like the outdoor adventures and I just painting was like it's interesting because I kept dropping out of college yeah but I never stopped painting. I would yeah. always have a painting easel in my bedroom or in my garage or wherever I could find a place for it. And eventually I graduated from Western State College, but it's like not because they had some great painting department, it was because they had some really great mountains there. Yeah. <laughs> and I, um, yeah, I just, I've just always painted since I was, you know, little. I've been one of those Did people. you grow up in an artistic household? My dad was really artistic. He was like, he used to paint when he was younger and he was just always like very into interior design. My mom, not as much, but her sister was a professional painter. So I think I kind of got it from both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So something that you saw around you that was uh, acceptable and comfortable. It was. And I just, I loved growing up with original artwork. I mean, I would spend, I mean, those paintings have such an impact because they, at least to me, they did. I, you know, I think a, the way a piece of art makes its way into your life, it, it is a living thing if it was made by hand. And I, I don't know. They always, they were very comforting to me to have to have real art around. Were you a good student when you were growing up? I was. Yeah, I was. Well, <laughs> not so much with like math and science, and those are always a little more challenging. But um, yeah, anything like writing or creativity, and I did I did well. Yeah. So many, um, I think of you as a creative, which means, you know, yes, you uh, make beautiful art and you teach 
and you write, and you do a lot of other stuff that I probably can't even mention because I don't know it. <laughs> but um, you're also an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And many entrepreneurs have told me that um, school was hard for them mm. because it forced them into kind of a ri- uh, sort of a rigidity that they didn't uh, flourish in. Yeah. And you're nodding your head. Do you, do you resonate with that? I, I do. I, I think, I mean, the fact that I kept dropping out of college is sort of one little indication of how I, I've always been a person who doesn't, I don't want to do things if I'm not really into them, if I don't want to just go through the motions. Yeah. So I think with college, there were certain points where I just felt like I'm painting anyway. I would rather be riding my bike and painting and working at a coffee shop and like I'll get to co- I'll do the college thing later and I did and I eventually graduated but it was never yeah there was never like a rigidity around like you have to go and have this experience and to be honest no I mean so rarely does anyone ask me if I studied painting it's interesting like I, my credentials don't really mean anything I could have easily not and still be doing exactly what I'm doing right now um, and if you had to, to do over again, would you change that? I don't think I would. I think I I gleaned some real gems from going through like a traditional art school experience, like at some foundational things sure. that I think were great. Yeah. Um, interesting story. I did apply to go to graduate school for a, an MFA in painting because mm-hmm. I just thought, well, that's the next thing, I guess. <laughs> and I applied to these schools. Painting MFAs are really hard to get into. They're really lots of people apply I didn't get into any of them and I thought to myself well I guess I'll just keep painting I'll, I'll just paint you know what I've always been painting so I'll just keep painting and when looking back I'm so glad that I didn't get into any of those programs because I know they would have been way more focused in a certain direction and I don't I think what I created by just quote-unquote just painting is really unique to me and has really ended up working out for me it's what I teach it's what I do and I only got there by letting myself find it on my own and so that's something I'm really grateful for is yeah. that it really feels real like authentic to yeah me. it is totally mm-hmm. get it yeah that, mm-hmm. that you would have it maybe would have taken you down a different road whereas maybe some of those roads being closed off to you caused you to have to like ponder mm-hmm and mm-hmm. think about what is the solution for you. Yeah, and, and they gave me the, I just did the work. I think that's so much of creating anything is like you have to put in the hours, right? And so for me to create a style and a way of painting, I had to just do a lot of paintings. <laughs> and so that's what I did. And, yeah. and yet it seems to me that it's a relatively solo activity usually is but yeah <laughs> yet you um you can be extroverted when you want to be so did you was that uh friction for you well I think that was the friction when I got to that place where I was only painting and I felt like something was missing yes I think it was the people yes <laughs> because the teaching really like gave me that and I thought oh yeah I want to be I you know being a studio painter is yeah. very isolating work yes. and I yeah, that's not fully me. I, I do like my alone time and getting in that world's fun, but I need, I, I feel like I'm here to be with people. Are you an introverted or extrovert? I think I'm one of those like middle people. It's called an ambivert. <laughs> ambivert, okay. There's a word for it. Yeah. yeah, I do not resonate with either. 
like I resonate, I guess, with parts of both, but not fully one or the other at all. Most people think I'm an extrovert, and I test way over to be introverted. Now, I can be an extrovert when I'm called to be. So if I'm yes. in a business setting or if I'm a host for a group, I can do that. But it, it completely uh, drains me. Drains you. Yeah. Yeah. And the way I get recharged is by being by myself or with a small group. Yeah. I probably lean a little more introvert then. Yeah. So when you took the risk of figuring out if anybody wanted to be taught by you and then you you, you figured out they did and yeah. then it worked out and you led some retreats and now you've invested in a retreat center did that affect the energy in your painting I learned a lot about my process through teaching it like because just to paint is one thing but then to I remember when I got actually got asked to write my first book about two weeks after I taught that very first retreat ah because by there, someone who had been there? Yeah, there was an art there was an author scout at this place that I had been teaching. And so I get this call. And like mind you, I've only taught one retreat. Um, I've just been painting on my own forever. Never thought about teaching even the process of painting. And they say, Can you write and it's a big time, you know, art publisher and yeah. they're like, Can you write a book about your process? And I was like, Yes, I sure, I'll do that. That seems like a great opportunity. And then I really had to figure out what my whole thing was about because I had to put it in this linear format and it's a really nonlinear thing. And I had to put words to it and there's no words to it usually. And so I would say the teach the oh, and over the years of teaching and watching other people move through the process has also taught me like layers upon layers about what it is, much more so than if when it was just me mm. in a room. Got it. Doing my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a group of people now that you go back to to paint with? I I have one friend who's like my painting bestie, and yeah. we collaborate sometimes, and we've created e-courses together, oh. and we've taught together. So she's like, yeah, she's like my person there. I do have a small group of just women creative entrepreneurs, and we all have different versions of creative businesses. But we, like what? Um, I have quite a few friends that make that make greeting cards. Yep. So like I've been going into these little shops here in Portsmouth, and I'm like, oh, there's my friend Lee, Is there's my friend mean, Emily. They design them, and then someone else um, manufactures them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So like the so quite a few of like the top card people are like friends of mine. Yeah. Um, and then other people that teach um, painting classes or you know retreat leader types. Um, yeah, people write book, people, authors. You know, we we're all kind of under the same umbrella with just different niches. And, and you're all entrepreneurs. And we're all entrepreneurs. And do you think of yourself that way? Yes. Good. We totally do. And Good. we we actually get together, you know, once or twice a year just to talk about our businesses and like get feedback and get support and it's really a beautiful little container for that. Cause, so when yeah. you set off to do your investment in your retreat center, did they all say you were stark raving mad? <laughs> I don't think anyone was really surprised because it, in a lot of ways, it feels like the an obvious Next progression. Thing. I had yeah. been teaching, I had built a big studio in my backyard in Portland, been hosting retreats there for years. People didn't sleep there. That's a big difference. Yeah. But I, you know, I'd been in this world for a long time. And, and so I think people were like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense that Flora would now have 20 acres and a whole thing <laughs> so if flora wasn't going to be a painter and if you could take two years out to learn a new 
I want to be careful. I was going to say craft, but it doesn't have to be craft. To learn a new skill, craft, career, mm. profession, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. I, what I immediately go to is is like another art form, mm -hmm. <laughs> just because that's so who I am. Like I would, Is there one that you like you've always I, wanted to well, do? I mean, I love to dance. I love to move. That's a something I bring into my retreats a lot as I get people in their bodies because that's the best way to get them out of their, you know, monkey mind yeah. um, sort of inner critic world. Yeah. And so, I mean, it would, sounds dreamy to me to spend a year studying movement. Um, I also would love to like learn an instrument, which I don't really currently play anything, but there's that I have that in me, you yes. know? Yes. Um, yeah. What, what of your talents do you think the world's in danger of overlooking, Flora? Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> never thought about that before. I think, I think what's something that's allowed me to do what I've done and get where I've gotten is just my way with people. And, and I think, you know, I hear people say things like, oh, I want to, I want to lead retreats in Mexico, or I want to do what you're doing, you know, and I, and I get that because it's very, it's a very fun job to get to do what I do. And I feel like, well, maybe, maybe I, it's a fun job. I mean, but there's some stuff that goes along a, with Well, it. and that's the thing is that I'm like, you actually have to have like quite a few things lined up for it to be successful. Yeah. And a big one of those things is just like, do you like people? Do you make people comfortable around yeah, like, you? No, do you love people? Yeah. Right? Because like, there's you, a lot of hard stuff you're going to have to get over yeah, if you it, don't love it's them. It's a people job, yeah. you know? And and I do love people. And I feel like I, the way that I was, I mean, both of my parents, I mentioned this the other day, were like YMCA directors. And so I grew up at the Y, like which is growing up in a community. And, and we were those people that just, the more the merrier, always had the door open, always having friend parties. And I, I love that. I mean, I just bought this place and it's like a, I mean, one might call it a commune. No, it's not a commune, but it's like, I bought a property with friends yes. because we're doing this really out of the box way of living. Together. Together. Yeah. And I, that was a big takeaway for me from the pandemic because I was living by myself. At the time I didn't have a partner. And I just thought, oh my God, yeah, I do not want to do life by myself. This sucks. I'm stuck by myself in a house. And I just, that was like a big wake up call. And I just thought I'm going to create, I'm, and you know, I didn't have kids. And so here I am 48 years old, like at the time, no partner, no kids. Like both my parents just passed away. Like I was like, oh my God, like this, this is getting real. Yeah, but uh, what a perfect chapter change. Right? It was a major chapter change. Yeah. And it was like, I'm going to make a family yeah. <laughs> out of my friends. Right. And chosen family. Chosen family. And thankfully I do have a, just a beautiful community uh, in my work and, and friends. and But yeah, it was time to kind of make a leap. And that's really what why I bought the place and doing that new chapter. You know, it's so interesting to me, Flora, because I am mostly with people who uh, they have an ambition to create an enterprise that solves, that provides a solution for a client or a customer, you know, and they usually have a uh, domain expertise. It could be that they're uh, technical prodigies. 
It could be that they're just technical tinkerers that are really, really good at it. It could be that they're really good at um, listening and selling and persuading customers that they have a good uh, solution for them. And then the, the changes that happen to their life because of that come along, and they're usually delighted by it. But what you're describing to me is that actually you were, mm, if you weren't putting the changes in your life that you were desiring first, you were doing it at the same time. You were saying, I desire these changes in my life, and I'm going to change this chapter, and I'm going to do it through my craft. Mm-hmm. I'm going to change my craft to do it. Do I have that right? With buying the retreat center? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, the craft, it, 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 it all folded in together really well. Yeah. You know, because I've been leading retreats for all these years, and I just thought, oh, I can have a place where I can, you know, live with people, have that sense of community, and then other people can come and go. <laughs> you know, they're not living there full time with me. Um, and it, yeah, it all just sort of made sense. So maybe it's because I'm an introvert. The thought of leading retreats is something that I understand. <laughs> the thought of leading retreats at the place where I live gives me pause <laughs> that's fair that's really fair yeah I mean and and like you know check back with me in a year and yeah. see how that's going like I don't really know I do know that I, I don't lead that many retreats a year so it's like a couple um and then other people coming and doing it but we have two we have 20 acres and we have two big houses so we live in one and the people come to the other so there is some built-in space but yeah, it is. It is uh, not for everyone, I would say. And you know, we had a couple people buy into the project in the beginning, and that was their thing. Pretty quickly on, is that they said, "Oh yeah, we just realized we want a country home." Yeah, right. <laughs> this, <laughs> well, not this whole thing you guys are doing. And we're like, okay, well, bye. <laughs> you know, because it was um, two different visions. Uh, and, yeah. And, and so, in your vision, in a few years, uh, what? What were, where would you take the desti- the vision to? What destination would you hope to be at? Mm, with the property? Yes. Yeah, I I, I want to have it feel easy. Like I mentioned earlier, I don't want to have that take over my life. You know, so finding like the right caretakers and the right people that are helping to manage it. And then having it just feel like this. I, I want to live at a retreat center, and now I do. Like, I want to feel like I'm living in a place that's beautiful, nurturing, inspiring, which it, it's all of those things. And so having, I mean, ideally having a, a lucrative business um, there and also having it feel like we get to enjoy it and finding a nice balance between those two things. And just our, our dream is that we, that, you know, teachers come and, lead groups and then they come back every year Mm -hmm. and we start to have just this like oh we call it the nest that's the 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 place so it's like we have our nest family and there's just these beautiful events and you know the kinds of things that are happening there like we had a songwriter camp and we had a movement therapy retreat and an herbalism retreat so it's it's all this wonderful um you know, just wonderful pursuits, like people coming to feel more alive, to learn, to grow, to heal. And so to be able to live at a place where those things are happening to me feels really good, especially as the world is changing in the ways that it is. And we're all, you know, a lot of us are feeling more and more isolated. I'm like, I want to be a place where people come and there's this 
nurturing that happens. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think anyone who's an independent critical thinker like you are uh, in this uh, mass popular culture Mm -hmm. can feel very isolated Mm -hmm. just by virtue of who they are and alone Mm -hmm. and actually lonely. And so I love the fact that you're getting together with these other creative entrepreneurs because I think those kinds of peer-to-peer groups are massively powerful for being able to realize, oh, my goodness, I didn't know you were thinking about, like, almost the same kind of problem I am. Maybe it's in your domain instead of in my domain, but there's a lot of that, which is really super helpful. Yeah, I feel really rich in that way. Like, I have so many beautiful connections, and part of that has come through my work, and it's with people. Yeah. And, um, you know, now I I started a community recently um, that... It's online, but people are, we just had a call today. People are from all over the world, and we just have this thing in common where we, you know, intuitive painting is something that we're interested in, but not just painting. It's the it's like how the painting teaches us about life, like just that whole So say, say more about your online community. Um, so What's it's, it called? It's called Free Flow. <laughs> and where could people find it? Um, it's, it's under um, a platform, it's on a platform called Mighty Networks. Which something I love is that there's all this new technology around communities, spaces. Because when I was making online courses ten years ago, all we had was Facebook groups. Right. And like, no one wants to be on a Facebook group now. Right. You know. Right. And so it's like, okay, so the technology has come. It is here. And so people join. They can join for a year. They can join for a month. I think this thing is just going to keep going on and on for like years, which I love because with online courses, generally there's sort of like a peak and a drop. Sure. You know, people get into it and then it ends. Sure. <laughs> and so this is like every month they're getting a painting, like a two hour painting session with me. They're getting, we just did the, like a Q and a today for an hour where I have guest teachers coming in and then there's this functionality where people can see actually who's around them geographically, who's part of the community. So they can, I was encouraging them today, I'm like, reach out to these people. Like, have an art date. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. go make a friend because yeah. you already have a huge thing in common and that you're into this thing that we're doing here. And it's pretty specific. Yeah, wouldn't it be so, cool if some of those people online could actually find out that oh, uh, I'm making this up. You're in Boston, I'm in Boston, let's have six of us in Boston get together for an art day. Well, that's so actually not too too crazy of a thing to think about because they are. They're all over the world in these different places. And, I mean, they're already creating their own Zoom. You know, the Australian people want to do their Zoom calls so that they're all together. I'm like, please. I'm like, you have my permission. You can create micro-communities in the community. And I've just been, been wanting to find a way for years because I have had a community all over the world who I've worked with, but finding a place for them to really be able to connect in a real way that's not on a Facebook group is what this is. And so that's why I created it. And it just feels really vibrant. Like every day we have creative prompts and people are posting their images or poems or paintings or whatever, however they want to respond to the prompt. And then we're just getting to know each other. It's, it's really cool. Is it, um, is it, largely women is it it is it is it's definitely open to anybody and we have a few men (laughs) but it is like i'd say 98 percent women it's interesting it is interesting same with my retreats yeah it's always oh really yeah 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 i mean it's it's a longer conversation but you know if in america i think there are three thousand six hundred not-for-profit colleges 
and I've spent a lot of time in that domain on governing boards. And so I know that if colleges across the country admitted it slowly on the basis of academic merit, they'd be 80% women, wow. which is a big concern for them, a big worry for them. Uh, and it's a worry in other ways for the rest of us. But <laughs> Right. So, so you've been doing this for a while so that you have the 10,000 hours. You're well known in beyond your community. You've created your own communities. And yet my experience is that like when entrepreneurs get to this level of uh, achievement, sustained achievement, that 90% or more of the challenge is psychological. Mm. And um, I mean, it's mind body. But it's psychological. And the thing to sustain all this is to make sure that you do a tremendous amount of self-care, right? Yeah. Because if you start playing a deeper game like you are, it's really when you need to put those physical practices up front. And so that means either increasing the ones you're doing or sometimes it might mean um, learning or finding some new ones that you discover and and learn about. Maybe for some people that means um, some kinds of meditation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, either TM or mindfulness or whatever, whatever. For some people it might be yoga or you mentioned other kinds of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you been doing in your workout routine that's particularly interesting or energizing to you? Well, so I used to be a yoga teacher, so I have a pretty solid yoga background. I've been doing that forever. Um, what's new, what I started doing about a year ago is that I started lifting weights. Yeah. And I just found this little group. There's like four ladies, and we it's somebody's converted garage, and we go there a couple times a week and lift like big heavy weights. And, it and so has, you're doing are you doing uh, deadlifts and squats? Oh and, yeah, yeah, kettlebell. I know all. I know what those things mean now. Yeah, you know, and I'd never really done that stuff before, and it has been awesome. I feel like it's like what my body was needing. I didn't even know. Yeah. So that's been really cool. I actually got the whole bar set up now out at the land. Yeah. So I'm going to do it there. Oh, that's really great. I mean, just yeah. um, for people who are listening to this, you know, who are entrepreneurs and, you know, a, a lot of those are women. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that. My wife says, see if I can get this right. As you know, she's a family doc. She says that the longevity organ is muscle and that so people will get older and they say, oh, you know, you get older, my metabolism slowed down, I put on weight. And she'll say, that's bullshit. <laughs> the reason your metabolism slowed down is because you're not moving your muscles as much as you yeah. used to. So we got to work really hard on moving our muscles, which is the longevity organ. I, I totally agree. That's I feel really like cool. this is the thing. Like I, I, yeah. And so you body. think you'll keep doing this? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, now I can't imagine not doing it because it's made my body feel so much better. Like I've had chronic back stuff. It's gone away. Yeah, you know? and probably a lot of people think that if you lift weights like that, that would actually aggravate your back. Yeah, it's had it's been amazing. I just needed to get stronger, and I think doing the yoga and like doing the hiking and like the things that I've been doing weren't pushing me to get any stronger. Are and you a meditator? I am a meditator. TM or? I wouldn't. I wouldn't like put it under any category necessarily because huh. it changes. That's something that I've noticed about myself and my relationship to meditation is that. Sometimes it needs to be guided. Sometimes it needs to be walking. Sometimes it needs to be quiet, you know? And it, so it's, it's been all over the place. I've done Vipassana meditation in the mm-hmm. past. Um, and do you do any breath work? A little bit. I've done, yeah, I've done like breath work sessions where I, that is so powerful. I feel like that's one of those things that I know enough about to know how powerful it is. And I would love to 
Maybe I'll do that with my couple years of doing something I really want to get into. <laughs> we'll yeah, actually, add that. Actually, it's uh, uh, you live n- northwest of Portland, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, Brian McKenzie, who lives in Bend, who is a well-known triathlete, is the one who taught me about breath work. Mm. And he, he's got a, a website, which if you look up Brian McKenzie, you find it. It's something crazy. <laughs> but uh, really... Uh, I find that doing aggressive breath work, meaning I have developed sets where I do uh, what you might call superventilation that I do, you know, exhale, hold, inhale, hold. Sometimes if I'm in the summertime, I'll do it underwater. Sometimes I'll do it just in the air. But I find it puts me into a premeditative state. Yeah. So then if you want to meditate, you really can. Yes. I love that. And I've done it like that. I've done the breath work leading into the meditation, and it's just like such a fast track. It's amazing. So anything new on your plate uh, in addition to your muscle fitness and breath work? Gosh. I think something that's been coming back around that I used to do when I was much younger in my 20s is um, writing poems. Oh. And it's just because I've I've brought it into like a morning practice that I do where I do, um, well, two things. I do uh, an eyes closed drawing. So I close my eyes and I just have a pen on paper, really simple. And I just like let my body kind of move in the way it wants to. And then I open my eyes and then I kind of turn the line drawing into something. And I just find that it's a lot more interesting than if I'm opening my eyes drawing something that I know how to draw because I've been doing it for so long that this kind of removes something and and opens up another door. So I do that, and then I let myself write a little, I call them poem-ish, like a poem-ish. You know, it's not like a fancy good poem. It's just like something kind of like a poem, Um, sort of based on the drawing or based on the moment. And it's just this whole little practice. It takes me like 10 minutes. I mean, it's not involved. Um, But it's just like a little micro-creative practice that has been really satisfying. And like really interesting things come through when I give myself that little space to like not have it be good are you, you know? an early riser not really i'm kind of like not i'm not a night owl or an early riser i'm like i go to bed at like 11 i get up at 7 it's like very normal yeah, i don't know super normal super that's normal. great yeah. yeah so um people who are listening to this might think wow flora um you know she had this direction she started painting and um, she t- laughed about um, leaving three colleges and but she <laughs> seems to have been on like a really clear uh, road and with lots of successes along the way were there some um, did you stub your toe a few times were there some places where you picked up your head and said oh geez I, I really I screwed up that one and are there any that you could share with us that you learned from oh that's a great question I think um hmm it's so interesting because like nothing's popping in because I think I have such a tendency based on my painting process and how the layering thing works that when and I have this um this thing I always tell my students like work with what's working and so I'm often like evaluating as I go in a way where I am like, evaluating and possibly changing course you mean? and changing course. Yes. Like I'm very yes. like flu. I'm like athletic stance, like mm-hmm. all the time, <laughs> whether it's a business thing. I mean, even today in the community call, I told the people, I'm like, Hey, we're co-creating this together. Yeah. Let me know what's working. Nothing is set in stone. 
And so uh, we can pivot. We can change. We can. This can become anything that right. we want. It's an experiment. It's an experiment. Yeah. And so, so I think I, I don't think I can't think of like anything where I'm just like, wow, that was an epic fail. Yeah, I'm sure I have some <laughs> that are just I'm not. I'm like blocking out of my memory right now. But I think in general, how I how I do life and how I do business is that it's like very organic and it's very much like, okay, that you know. That worked. We're going to keep going in that, and like we're going to let that part go. It's just like the painting process. You know, you're always letting something go to make room for something else. So, yeah, I think I mean, I I never could have predicted my path. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Like I, if you would have asked me in my twenties, like yeah. w- where I would be in my late forties, yeah. never in a million years would really? have thought like that I would be like have written like four books and. Well, so wouldn't have thought I would have been <clears throat> this successful. I mean, in the... You can say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, actually. Yes. Yes. I never thought I would be actually making, like, real money doing what I love and, yeah, having... building a community. Having this, like, having people following what I do, you know? Like, that just... And I'm not... I don't really love to be, like, in the limelight and, like, Mm -hmm. have the attention on me. That's really not, like, my comfort place. And so the fact that I've had to, that I've become like this teacher, writer, speaker person <laughs> is like, wow, okay, that's, I never could have predicted. That's why I became a painter because I could like hide away, right? And like be painting. I mean, that's, that was an aspect that was attractive to me is that I, I can just be in my own magical world. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, the universe was like, there's, we want more of you out here doing other things. And I, and I've had to just like, there's been so many moments where I've had to just dig deep and, and say, I'm, I can do this. I can, I can show up and teach at this thing or give a speech. Or... So, so, so um, go with me to uh, 2034. Okay. And yes. Flora's 60. Yeah. What <laughs> advice? There's no one who would know you at age 48 better than the person you are at age 60. So what advice would your 60-year-old self give to your current self? Mm, That's a beautiful inquiry. I think she would... That gives me goosebumps. (laughs) I think she would tell me to, to, to put myself first more. I think I am often doing things for other people. You know, I'm very productive and I'm very like you know and I love it and I think that there's this and I think that's with your first question when you ask like what's this new chapter I think this is the chapter of like me taking care of me and something I learned in the pandemic is like I love gardening and I never really had done that and I just love the process of getting my hands in the dirt and growing food and learning about herbs and all of this is like kind of new to me and I'm like, I want to do more of that. I want to do more of that. I went, like, when I was in Colorado recently, I remembered that I like hiking. (laughs) I'm like, oh, right. Like, make time for that. Like, make that as important as sending out a newsletter. Right. You know? Um, Actually, I would argue that if you did do that, that your newsletters would be even greater. Well, that's the thing. And I've created this life where, or I've created this job that's a lot about life. You know, like my work, I mean, my last book, right? The Art of Aliveness. 
So what I've been telling myself recently is like, it's actually your work to live the most alive life you can live because you're reporting back is what you're doing when you're teaching, right? It's like anything. You don't want to learn from a yoga teacher who doesn't do yoga. You know, you don't, it's like, I want to, I want to be in the practices that I'm teaching. And when I, like I'm leading a retreat at the Omega Institute next week, and it's like, we're doing writing, movement, painting, um, pomishes, like all these things. And I'm like, these are coming from my own well, you know? And, and, And so I think just the 60 year old self would tell me, just fill that well, like have that filling of the well be the most important thing and it's all going to flow from there to other people would she say anything else <laughs> hmm. keep lifting weights <laughs> um, you know yeah. when you do fill the well it strikes me as I'm listening to you that it's better for you but it's also better for everyone around you it really is because you throw really off is. all kinds of positive energy totally. when the well's full, right? Oh we all do. And if the well is depleted, it's no good for you yeah. or anyone around you, right? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Just having the bandwidth to, to be present with people is only comes from having a full well. So have you been thinking about your um, you move from after the quarantine and you made this new investment in this new in the nest Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, as you did that and you did more gardening and you now are going to have a reason to do more retreat leadership and if I'm hearing you right you're also in the business of recruiting other people who do retreat leadership right right which is actually different yeah um have you started new like habits or behaviors for yourself to get better at those things? Mm. To be totally honest with you, Pete, like this last year <laughs> has been so full on with buying this property. And then I had my, my dad passed as well. Yep. And I moved to the property. Right. So it was like starting a business and it was like kind of not a rundown place, but it needed like a lot of love. Yeah. And so I have thrown myself into the creation of this place. So as far as like new habits or, you know, setting myself up for success, like I feel like I'm like crawling off, like up to the shore after just being like, <laughs> like tossed in the waves for yes. like a year. Yeah. And this trip, actually being out here and doing this project and then teaching this retreat next week in New York, yes. are like the end of like this massive, like, like I actually, I'm going to Bali in November for oh, right. a vacation. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I need that so much right now because I need the space. You know how it is. You need the space to realize what you need. Right. And I feel like I'm at the beginning of such a new chapter. And the, the retreat center is beautiful. You know, I mean, it's always a work in progress. But the spaces are beautiful. We are open for business. We got there. And uh, I got the new community formed. That is happening. That's like a really nice ongoing income situation for me, right? That's like a little more hands-off than some other types of work I do. And so I'm like, okay, 
I'm like so ready, you know, and I got through all this family stuff. There's just been a whole, that's a whole, a lot. And so I'm really excited for 2023, to be honest, to just go, okay, how are we going to do this new life? And let's be really thoughtful about it. I have a friend, client, and a very good friend, a woman who, um, when we first met, told me the story about herself, which is that she um, came from um, the central part of Pennsylvania, and uh, it wasn't a part of the country that she particularly was fond of, and so she worked very hard to uh, get into a MFA program in Chicago, where she was a painter. And her mother called one day and said, your father's terminally ill, I need you to come home and help with the business and with your father. So she thought she was going home for a week or you know maybe a month, and 35 years later, um, she, yeah, she'd taken over her father's business, which had nine employees, and now she has a business that has you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of employees. And when I talked to her about um, what her next chapter is, she said, I'm gonna go paint. Oh. Yes. Right. Who oh. said this was a life sentence? You know, I thought I was just coming to help my dad. Exactly. So if you think about young women or men who think about, gee, I feel a creative spark and I might want to paint. And they're a smart, um, you know, ambitious person. What sort of advice would you give them on how they could fulfill that? Well, come take my class now. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're. I mean, I, I do feel like the way that I invite people into a painting process is, I mean, the feedback I get all the time is people just saying, oh my gosh, you made it so doable. Like you, you gave me, because I give enough, I call it the banks of the river. Like I'm going to give you enough Guard of a container. Yeah. I'm going to teach you the basic stuff about color. I'm going to give you this information about layering and then I'm going to really encourage you to be free and experimentational with how you do it. And so I, I do feel like, yeah, if you just, are you wanting to, if someone's wanting to paint walking into, you know, Michael's or whatever, it's like, it's pretty overwhelming. You know, how do I start? What do I do? I have this idea of painting. Yeah, you got like a little paint box. I get a little paint box, yeah. I get a little canvas, <laughs> and then I like paint the pet or like yeah. paint the base or, you know, yeah. and, it's, and it's like, I think what I would want to, say to people is that there's so many like doing anything in life there's so many ways you can do it and so I think like I mentioned earlier people think about painting and they're like ooh yummy colors and but then they get to it and it's like wow this is stressing me out right Hmm. because I'm trying to make it look like a thing trying to execute this plan whatever it is I don't have the techniques to know what I'm doing to make it actually fun or enjoyable. <laughs> and so I think, yeah, I think if you, if you, you know, and for some people painting a, a, a perfect landscape of what you're looking at might be so relaxing and wonderful. That's not what I do. So if, if someone's wanting to just be expressive and more abstract and layered and colors, you know, um, just know that having a little bit of a container could, could probably save you a lot of, figuring it out on your own. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So um, let's pretend we go to sleep tonight and magically we wake up tomorrow and it's October 20th, 2025. And you say, Pete, remember that day you did that podcast interview with me back in 22? I said, yeah. And you say, you'll never believe it. Oh my gosh. 
professionally and personally, I've had the best three years of my life. You can't <laughs> believe it. I'll say, well, what happened? Oh, my gosh. What happened? So I'm not asking you to stand here and look forward. Okay. We're in 2025, looking you back. and I, looking back. Yeah. Yeah. Aw. I mean, I think... I, I could imagine and I could dream that there could be some, like, really big opportunities that come to me that that just... Like, I've had people be like, you're the next Bob Ross. Like, you know, you need a TV show or, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, I, could, I actually could do that. Like, I do feel like what I have and what I bring... Here's the thing. it 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 helps people. You know, I really feel like what I do helps people it's it's not just about painting it's about living and it's it's like we are these creative you know beings we we came in on this magic carpet ride of creativity and people have forgotten a lot of people have forgotten that creativity is a, a part of wellness and I feel like I mean we all saw like in the 90s how all of a sudden yoga became this thing and it wasn't a thing and that I mean it was for <laughs> many people in the world but you know it became popular. Yes. And I feel like because people realized it helps them and I feel like there's this whole wave with creativity as wellness not as being a capital A artist I'm going to do this as my living now I'm going to make paintings and sell them whatever. That's a separate thing. I'm talking about creativity woven into life where people remember I have expression to share this gets it out of my body this is therapeutic this is like feels good brings me joy you know all of these things that that my work helps people get to I feel like it's coming in in this way because we need it you know and we need to reimagine a new kind of world. I mean, we're also in that place, right? Just as a global. Sure, yes, we are. <laughs> we need to we need to get creative here and come up with new solutions. And so, how do you get creative? You flex the muscles of creativity. How do you do that? Well, there's a whole bunch of fun ways that yeah. I could help you with. <laughs> yeah. You know. And so, when I think about three years, like I'm like, huh? I'm curious. You know. I mean, maybe I'll be at my place gardening and like living a simpler life or maybe I'll have a TV show where I'm reaching like millions of people and getting people inspired and waking up to their aliveness I don't know like I I feel like I'd be up for that you know I want to help people I want to make a difference I want to contribute and I feel like what I've I don't know what I've kind of come up with just through my own life is like when some when the publishers asked me to write the book, they were like, "No, we want to we want you to write a book about living through the lens of painting." And I just thought, "Oh my gosh, I actually am the person to write that book." Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that and, was a great lens. Yeah, well, yeah, it was a new lens. Yeah. I think, um, and and I did have a lot to say about it. I realized, <laughs> and when I sat down to write it, thankfully. <laughs> Flora, I can't think of a better way to conclude our thoughts together today. So I want to thank you so much for doing this. Um, if someone said, wow, I really enjoyed this uh, talk together with Pete and Flora, where can they learn more about you? Thank you. My, my website's florabowley.com, B-O-W-L-E-Y. That's kind of my hub, I guess. I'm on Instagram a lot, same my name. Um, yeah, I have lots of online courses. I have free things on YouTube. I have books and... Free Flow Community is a great little, the, that's my, 
the thing I'm most interested in right now. And is, is that, that free flow on? Uh, Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks. Yeah. Great. But you can find it on my website, too. Great. And um, I can't wait to see what's in the next chapter. Thank you. No, and, I'm really excited, too. <laughs> and uh, if people are listening to this locally, one of the things that Flora has just done was to make a magnificent um, canvas of the main lobby of a new building in downtown Portsmouth called 60 Penhallow Street, where you can actually walk in there pretty much seven days a week, I think, and just um, spread your arms and open your eyes and take a look around, <laughs> all around you, and you'll see some of Flora's creativity. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. We believe that entrepreneur owner managers are the most powerful pro-social and pro-economic force on the planet. And it's for that reason that we dedicate our firm Bigelow to working exclusively with them at positive enterprise value. We freely share our learning so that you can absorb from the experiences of other private business owners with skin in the game, just like you. Bigelow is widely regarded as the M&A advisor that deals exclusively with high-performing entrepreneur owner managers. Our scrappy independent boutique firm only offers one service, that is to help build and someday capture enterprise value. You can find all of the episodes on this podcast on Bigelow's website, which is BigelowLLC.com.